the bedpost podcast i am your host of course aaron fim and i love to have a fun and sexy guest here on the in the studio talking about sex and sexuality today i'm really excited to have someone back to the podcast we had a bunch of fun topics last time fun and serious like good good mix of conversation um and today i have a feeling we're gonna do exactly the same so please welcome to the mic everybody without further ado sex and culture critic ella Dawson. Hey, Ella. Hello. Thank you so much for having me back. Oh, absolutely. I think even at the uh, tail end of our last chat, I was like, come back. You're coming back, right? Come back. (laughs) (laughs) I made it. I made it. Um, Tell me what, like, what has changed in your life, maybe? Because maybe it's been like a year or something. I think it's been uh, probably closer to two years. Um, wow, really? I, wow. Yes. Wow. My sense of time is a little screwy, but right now I'm kind of thinking of life as like before and after because I had a pretty huge breakup, uh, I think a few months after you and I recorded-ish. Okay. And that was like a big, that was a big life change for me because I had been in a relationship that wasn't super healthy and I wasn't... Um, I wasn't feeling safe and supported in talking a lot about sex and the joy of sex and sex work and erotica and uh, it's it's now I'm in this new chapter of life where I feel like I can be a lot more authentic and honest and uh, dirty and <laughs> I feel less censored and it's very fun. So I feel like it's been a while, at least for me. Um, and I'm excited to be back because it's, I feel like a filter has been lifted and it's, it's nice to dive back into it with you. Amazing. Yeah. That's, um, that, I mean, breakups can be huge life changes, right? Um, what, maybe we can just kind of start with like, what kinds of things did you do to help you heal and move on? Yeah, I, it's funny, adult breakups are weird, because I had been living with my ex at the time, and I had to figure out, where do I go now? Yeah. Um, and I wound up moving back in with my parents, which was, it felt kind of embarrassing at the time, because I was, I had just turned uh, 29. Mm-hmm. And it felt like such a step backwards. But as soon as I moved back, I found it was actually really healing because I, I've been living in my childhood bedroom for the last year and a half-ish, and I'm surrounded by all of my old erotica anthologies from my early 20s and my college years, and I'm in a home in a town that's very core to who I was before the breakup, and it's made it really easy to reconnect with who I was before and the parts of myself that I kind of put into storage during that relationship. Um, So I've just been, I've been enjoying rereading old diaries and rereading old books. And 
and yeah, and I'm doing just a lot of inner child shit. I've gotten <laughs> I've gotten very into stuffed animals. I have a lot of stuffed animals now. Oh, um, if you could only see my condo <laughs> as far as stuffed animals goes. Yeah. There's a lot of judgment around adults who have stuffed animals, but they are so lovely and cozy. Yeah. And I also, I have my childhood dollhouse sitting next to me every day because there's not a lot of places to store a giant <laughs> fake Victorian mansion dollhouse. Um, oh, the real deal. Been, nice. <laughs> yes. Uh, my, my grandfather built it when I was little. It's huge. Um, and it's, it's very comforting. Like I just, it's, it's very funny to be making adult content all day and be living surrounded with like, <laughs> teenage Ella and child Ella. And like, it's nice. It reminds me that I'm a whole person. Um, and it's been a good way to also weed out some of the voices of my ex in my brain saying like, what I'm doing is, is wrong because it's not, I'm a whole person and that and also war phobia is dumb it's my hot take of the day (laughs) it's a it's a (laughs) steaming hot take i love it um it's funny i'm sure i'm preaching to the choir (laughs) oh yeah yeah absolutely but i love to commiserate don't get me wrong um what's funny recently um with my like my my um, desire to like surround myself with stuffed animals as well is um, I was on the way to the dungeon that I work in so I had just gotten off the subway and like in those like four blocks I had to walk there was like this lovely wooden like doll bed you know um, mm. on the side of the road like someone was just you know get, get, moving on with with their little doll bed <laughs> there and I saw it. And I kept walking, and as I kept walking, like, to work, I felt sadder and sadder that, like, and I was also running a little bit late, so I couldn't exactly go back and grab it, but, like, I, I already was mourning the loss of this as I got, and, and I texted my husband immediately when I got to work, and I was like, I saw a baby's bed, I didn't grab it, I am sad. <laughs> And because I was convinced it's it was really nice. I was convinced it would be gone mm. by the time I was done my session. And then I, I was walking back that way. And um, when when you know it, I walked back and it was still there. I was so excited. Yay. I And now there's like, it's the home of like, maybe, you know, six of our smaller stuffed animals <laughs> kind of hang out there. And I love that. I, I honestly love it. And it's an essential place in our apartment. And like, right when I got home, I was so excited about it. I, uh, I, I sewed two little pillows and a little blanket. I like quilted a little blanket. <laughs> Oh my Immediately god! Person after my own heart. That's perfect. I love yeah. that. Arts and crafts and soft things. It's all very important, especially at trying times like this. I currently have a beanie. I have a Pugsley beanie baby in my lap right now that I find Aww. very comforting. <laughs> yeah, I have a little. Um, I I had a wrist injury um, about a year ago, mm. which I've never really recovered from. And so when I podcast, I have a little sloth under that wrist just to like support it. So I'm always yes. anytime people hear me podcasting, I've always got a stuffy like right here as well. <laughs> It's important. It's important self-care to have stuffies. <laughs> Absolutely. For me anyways, and what it sounds like for you too. Um, I love this thing that you're talking about of like, you know, I'm a whole person. Like I can enjoy, you know, then connect with like this part of me, but also I can create adult content. Um, I think that's a really important kind of thing to bring up, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, I I think I mean we joked about horophobia, but one of yeah. the things I'm working through right now is that I've received so many messages throughout my life about the type of person that sells adult content or sells thirst traps and starts an OnlyFans and it's been interesting. Like I, I went to school for gender and sexuality studies. I, I studied sex work all through college. Like I, I can intellectually know that horophobia and these ideas we have of sex work are wrong and bigoted, but I still got hit by a wave of, of shame and self-doubt and embarrassment when I started my only important for myself every single day that A, there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing, but B, it's also not it's, it doesn't define every bit of myself. I also am working on other projects and I love stuffed animals and I really like taking care of pets. And I like, it's, it's, we, we tend to define people by stigmatized projects or, or viruses. I have herpes and that was a whole thing when I was diagnosed. I felt like that was who I was, but mm-hmm. we have a lot of parts of our lives and, and our, our jobs and our professions. And I have an OnlyFans and that's awesome. And I'm having fun. And I also have a ton of stuffed animals around me on my desk and I'm watching Lost for the first time. Like <laughs> these are all parts <laughs> of my life right now. <laughs> And I think that's like, even valid, like within the type of sex work that you do, that it's very unique, and it doesn't look one way. Like I was just like looking through your, Mm -hmm. um, the things you do offer on your OnlyFans. And you're offering like, because you're a writer, you know, so you're writing, you're offering like journal entries, you're offering erotica, as well as like thirst traps and thirst traps and feet pics and all of this stuff. It's like, it even within that it's such a unique kind of brand identity that you've created that's really special to you and you know to make assumptions about even what your one's only fan feed might look like is just incorrect yeah exactly thank you yeah it's it's i mean a lot of that is me just experimenting and seeing what people like what, hits. And what yeah. people yeah what hits what people want to pay for what they're interested in and also embracing the fact that some folks are only going to be interested in one type of content, but that doesn't mean that they won't be excited for me doing more than one thing. Like some folks will be really interested in my journal entries that I've been sharing. I've been rereading my college journals and pulling out entries and sharing them. That's and so cool. some folks will really love that. And some folks will just want to look at my cleavage and that's also okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and people really want to look at my toes. Yeah, something for everyone. And I think it's also really... Uh, healthy and important to emphasize that people people create a whole bunch of stuff they have a lot of stuff going on I think it's a way of remembering to humanize folks who create adult content that we are multifaceted too Absolutely. and uh, yeah and it's also just fun like I a lot of OnlyFans as much as it is work it's been a, an opportunity for me to play and do my makeup and feel like I'm an artist creating weird stuff and and that's been really wonderful for me so far i'm i'm very excited (laughs) to be to be in that space yeah yeah like and it's important to be like okay this is just another way of like doing another project it's another way of expressing myself it's another way of being creative it's you know what i mean it it doesn't just because it's like adult content creation 
doesn't mean that it's not as, you know, valuable as like all these other projects that you do, you know, all your writing stuff, all your like all these other facets of you, like you were saying, it's like, it's just another cool thing I do another fun thing I do another thing I do for money like another thing I do to express myself it's literally just like any of the other things I do yes and that's not to disrespect or diminish folks who use OnlyFans to make much more traditional expected pornography I think that's rad too Um, and I'm having fun having the freedom of their content policies, knowing that I can post weird or explicit stuff if I want to. If I want to put my titties on the internet, I can do that there without yep. being pushed offline. Um, but it is, it's been funny hearing the judgment and the expectations people have of what it means to be on OnlyFans and then to say, well, actually, I'm posting, yes, I'm posting these thirst traps and I'm also posting diaries about one night stands I had in college that were awkward and weird. (laughs) There's sexuality can be arousing and awkward and human and unpolished and still very arousing and fun, but there's so much more room in the genre of adult content than people like to say because they want to diminish it and that's their own problem yeah absolutely i think that's a really good point about like all of this stuff can kind of feel erotic and it can kind of be like sexually you know enticing or interesting on like all these other levels it's like you Mm -hmm. know maybe it's you know peering behind the curtain and seeing this secret journal entry like there's something very you know sexy about a secret you know it's like kind of accessing all these different um ways you know um things can feel erotic like it can be emotionally vulnerable and that can feel erotic sometimes it can be like hardcore porn that's that can feel erotic it can be you know what I mean it's like kind of just exploring yeah. this exploring sexuality and like what people are interested in as far as like your offerings it's like because it can be very very varied I was gonna say but yeah from one person to the next right or on one day and to the to the other Absolutely. Like one of the things that I've heard from partners as well as readers is that it's really hot to know what's going on inside my head in these moments. Yeah. And that that's something that uh, comes through in my journals and some of my other sex writing. And I think particularly for like, I think for all of us, it's really, it's exciting and nerve wracking to not know what's going on in someone's head when we're having sex with them. But um, it's... (laughs) It's, yeah, it's, it's fun to get that glimpse um, and to, to, like you said, peek behind the curtain. And yeah, that's been something that's really eye-opening and hopefully useful for straight dudes who might be a little clueless when it comes to women, uh-huh. um, not to be super gender normative, but like, I think it's helpful for folks to learn what's going on in the minds of folks with other identities. Um And to have that insight, because it can be difficult to put yourself in someone else's shoes, um, especially when you have different types of privileges and biases. So if I can help one horny teenage boy know what's going on in the mind of (laughs) a horny teenage Teenage girl girl. on college campus at a moment in time, yeah, like that's that's helpful. So if 19-year-old Ella's one-night stand helps someone navigate hookup culture, that's awesome. 
Yes. Yeah. And I like that, like these journal entries, you know, you mentioned it being kind of like some of them are super awkward or whatever. Like how relatable is that? And like, that's valuable on that other level of being like, oh yeah, it's okay for sex to be weird, awkward, messy, you know, trepidatious, like all of the whole spectrum, you know? Yeah. And you can have really good sex and still have like super awkward silences afterward or beforehand. And like (laughs) the journal entry I'm working on. Yeah. Or during the journal entry I'm working on this week is I had a one night stand with this boy um, my sophomore year of college. And to this day, I don't know if he was a virgin or just had never had a one night stand before or what. Um, And it's so funny rereading my journal because I was so into him and it was such a hot experience. But we were also so silly and so childish and like probably wasn't even that good sex compared to what I now know to be excellent sex at the time I was having the time of my life but I also was just such a dork like he and he was too he like left his keys in my dorm room and so I went to shower after he left and I came back in my towel and he was sitting in the hall being like uh I think I, I locked myself out I'm back and so I had to help this person find his keys in my room we couldn't find them And so he, and it wound up being that he like left them somewhere else. And then he was really, we were both really awkward because of hookup culture when we saw each other around campus afterward. Right. And the first time, like I saw him a few days after and I was like, hey, did you find your keys? And he was like, yes, I found them. They were in the laundry room or wherever. And then for some reason, every day for the next like three weeks, we just were running on the same schedule and we were always at the dining hall (laughs) at the same time. And it was so so brutally awkward and we just started pretending we didn't know who the other person was Oh no! and yeah. like it's so funny that you can have this like incredibly sexually intimate experience with a stranger and then be like fuck i live on this tiny college campus with you i don't know you we're both way too shy and insecure <laughs> to just like talk about it and I, I mean i didn't get into the whole of it in the journal entry because i wrote it like the day after our woman stand but I try it's have it's fun to look back and like pull out those details that are like this is what it is to be a human who's sexually active or dating and some of it's really good and some of it's really cringe and that's all okay and that's normal and he and I now are still like twitter mutuals and he does cool journalism and (laughs) we interact all the time online and it's just like we just don't address that we have no one (laughs) stand that one time (laughs) it never happened yeah (laughs) it just doesn't matter it's it's fine um i think for a while we were both in the same facebook group that was like um about dog spotting of just like cute dogs you see in the wild and i would see all the time that he liked posts of cute dogs and I think at one point I just wrote on his Facebook wall I was like it always makes me happy to see that you like the same dogs I do because <laughs> I was like what I haven't spoken to this person in years why not say something and that's I an olive branch it. yeah <laughs> it's, not, it's just like we're both nice smart people it's awkward we can be friendly it's fine yeah. but anyway that's I would say that's kind of my brand right now is like sex is great and really goofy and we're all doing our best and let's try to be nice to each other and that's all I got <laughs> <laughs> I think that's so valuable though like that's another reason like um that I like having people come on the podcast who are kind of like starting out doing things you know what I mean like I'd like to mm-hmm have people talk about like where they are in their journey and what they're going through because like that's the more helpful stuff like I like to have you know sex professionals talk on this stuff they're kind of like experts on 
um, that's valuable in its own way. But it's also like really valuable to just like see all of the stuff that people go through, because I think that's the majority of where we all kind of feel like we sit as far as um, sex. <laughs> you know what I mean? We just generally feel kind of like muddy in that muddy territory about it, where we're just like struggling or, you know, working on something or we want something and we're trying to figure out how to get it. I think we more like often ha- inhabit those spaces when it comes to sex than uh, feeling like you've got everything figured out, you know? Yeah, I think we're all still learning, no matter yeah. where we are in expertise. We're all still learning and we're yeah. all still f- questioning what we know and what we want and how to talk about it. And even if you are a self-proclaimed sex expert, when you have a new partner, you have to learn them and they yeah. have to learn you. And so approaching sex and relationships from this place of curiosity and vulnerability and knowing that things could get weird, but that's that's not a bad thing. I think it's really helpful just normalizing that it's okay to feel like you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. And the more you assume you know everything, the more likely you are to get hurt or to hurt other people because you're not paying attention to what you don't know. So I I hope that that's... I hope that's helpful. I think that some people who read my work or who who know vaguely of me assume that I think of myself as like a sex expert. And in reality, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, <laughs> None same. of us knows what we're doing. Yeah. It's just that I, I like taking the time to talk about these things. That doesn't make me an expert. That just makes me someone who's enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have a, a question that you might be the perfect person to ask. Something I deal with is like with, um, with dating, something I deal with is that I do have this kind of public facing persona as kind of a sex expert, which again, I do not use that title for myself whatsoever. But, you know, just like being very, uh, um, like front facing and open, doing a bunch of different kind of sex and sexuality stuff, you know, people make the assumption, right? So I do kind of find, you know, people can be intimidated, um, by me or say if we match on something and then they google me and then they see all that and then I'll you know same thing will happen they'll just kind of maybe ghost or be like "Ooh, I'm not quite ready to jump into all of that or whatever do you kind of have that sim a similar thing or um happen to you and what does that look like absolutely I do and it's so funny to me because I mean I've had a lot of evolutions and for a while the first thing that came up was that I was herpes positive sex educator and then it became before that it was that I wrote erotica and now I'm kind of in this weird place of oh I'm known for doing a lot of like domestic violence writing like yeah and now I'm starting to do more focusing back again on erotica and writing about sex and so there have always been a lot of preconceived notions that people have about me because of what I look like online yeah and same and I'm like, That's I'm a baby. Even, like, I'm, I'm literally a baby. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm honestly, there's nothing to be when you're actually with me, hanging out with me, interacting with me. Like, I'm, I'm so soft. And like, I am quite shy. Me and too. Like, I like to just sit in a room and, and people watch and listen. Like, I'm not a big personality in the room. But it does not look like that if you Google me at all. Exactly. I there was a I came across a really useful term a, a while ago of the idea of being a digital extrovert. Like Ooh, I yes. I think both of us read digitally as extroverts because we yeah, yeah, we yeah, yeah, yeah. take up space online and we have 
passions and we we like to articulate them and talk about these things and 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 we aren't ashamed of them or at least try to project that we're not ashamed of them but that doesn't mean that when you meet us in person that's how we are i i always have to warn people when i meet folks who i've mostly known from the internet like i am i am shy and nervous and very anxious in person um and I am also short <laughs> and, and I tiny. typically I'm don't physically tiny too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm physically tiny. I also don't wear makeup on most days. Like same, I, I'm same. kind of, I like, especially in the pandemic, I am like a comfy jeans or sweatpants person. Like I am not the thirst trap that you see on Twitter yeah. on most days. And I, I had um, a brunch with someone who I'd known through Twitter for years and years and years. And in person I was like, I, I was attracted to him, so that was part of it. But I was like, I got really stuttery and nervous. Aww. And I had to just apologize and be like, I am so sorry. I am so nervous right now. This must be so the opposite of what you were expecting. Yeah. And thankfully, he's like a good person and a nice friend. And he was like, I don't, I, you're you're fine. You're, you're being way too hard on yourself. Um, but like, it, it is definitely, I think... <laughs> Everybody builds an idea of who everyone is based off of social media and the internet. And that goes double for folks who do the type of work that we do. Um, And just on a basic level, like I, dating can be weird when you have a lot of personal information or sexual information online. And typically these days I date through friends of friends or Twitter mutuals. I don't do the apps. Yeah, because it's just like I, I need people to recognize that i'm a human being first yeah um or like they can be aware of my work and that can be how they came across me but they need to be excited by the idea that i'm a full person and i find that on the apps it turns into this like when are you gonna tell them who what you do online game you know like when When do i I need to tell them on first date about what i do Yeah. Yeah. And then it becomes something that whole framework and approach turns it into an embarrassing thing or a reveal as opposed to like, hey, this is who I am and what I do. And it's exciting. And also, like, do you want to go to the movies (laughs) and do Lego? Like, I just it's it's just such an inorganic. Yeah, it just feels shitty. Um, But yeah, it's it's hard out here for a hot girl on the Internet. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's so tough. Isn't it funny, though, this thing you mentioned of like um, being an introvert or like an ambivert, but like really presenting as an extrovert online. It's really funny because like anytime you do online stuff like that's a very solo activity, usually unless you're like partnering with people and doing content with like lots of other people and stuff where it's more social. But like in general, like people that do a lot of online online stuff that what it actually looks like in reality is them sitting with their phone on a chair you know in their pajamas in their homes or bedrooms Mm -hmm. like a little gremlin like those are the people that like (laughs) you know like that's what they like to present the way we present online like we spend a lot of time at home by ourselves in our phones like doing stuff so it's just kind of funny the thing of like um I don't know if real extroverts like can really present as extroverts online so much because they don't spend that much time on their phone by themselves 
to exactly. be, to be able to post all this stuff and curate like you know what I mean like that's a job for an introvert. Uh, 100% like even when I'm creating like hot girl content for OnlyFans I am alone in my room I am putting on makeup alone in my room I am using a tripod and a selfie remote thing it is all alone and I like OnlyFans because I don't even have to directly interact with people like it, it does the payment for me no negotiating like it's I'm just like a little raccoon creating <laughs> hot girl shit in my little raccoon den. Like that's what I'm doing. And I have friends who are extroverts and they're not online. They have no idea what the discourse is on the day uh, on Twitter on the day. Like yep, yep. it's such a different energy and way of functioning. Yeah, no, it's so funny. I am such I am such a solo person yeah. and I prefer the I hate groups. I hate going to parties. I hit that point. I don't like parties. Pandemic ruined them for me. <laughs> I don't know. I just want to be <laughs> at home with my jammies. Yeah, for me I'm like more comfortable in like kind of smallish group situation. I don't want to be mm-hmm. at a huge large loud party either but like a small group where I have the pressure taken off of having to really contribute in a huge way because other people are kind of shouldering that responsibility for me so I can just kind of sit and relax and just kind of listen and enjoy the environment and the other people in the environment like for me what freaks me out the most is like one-on-one scenarios like Mm. like having one person over to my house like terrifies me quite honestly like yeah I don't do that the responsibility is shared yeah then you you have to entertain that person you can't just like take a back seat and hang yeah yeah 100 (laughs) percent I like I have a, a I have a solid like 60 minute rule with people like when I go out for coffee or nice. dinner with people I'm very honest about like it's 60 minutes I my battery's gonna get low and I'm gonna leave <laughs> that's to all leave. I got yeah I got maybe yeah. 90 minutes I want to say yeah more than an hour and a half I'm like trying to I'm looking for the exit <laughs> exactly and it's not because I'm not having fun or because I don't no. like someone it's like yeah, that's no. just all I got <laughs> That's just my social battery, as you said. Yeah, totally. The Bedpost Podcast is sponsored by Come As You Are. Founded as a worker-owned cooperative, Come As You Are has a fundamentally anti-capitalist and feminist approach to sexual pleasure, health, and education. Come As You Are doesn't profit from your pleasure and only stocks products that they truly love and believe in. Come As You Are has been voted best sex shop in Toronto since 1997. Check them out at comeasyouare.com or 254 Augusta Avenue in Toronto's own Kensington Market. We are also sponsored by Club M4 Toronto. Club M4 is the largest sexually charged lifestyle club in the GTA. And now you can go to their website, www.clubm4.com. If anything looks interesting and you want to check it out, head on down to Club M4 at 1989 Dundas Street, Mississauga. Um, I want to go back to one thing that I jotted down while you were talking, um, because you were talking about this thing of like when you did kind of make the switch to do adult content, um, you were kind of talking about like, you know, these 
preconceptions, um, like internalized kind of shame surrounding the type of people mm-hmm. that do this type of work. I'm wondering, like, how did you kind of move past that or kind of start to work through that if it's a work in progress? Yeah, I think, and I think a lot of this is specific to OnlyFans too. Like, yeah. I, there's a certain stereotype of who is using OnlyFans and why. And I think in my mind, without realizing it, I had built up this stereotype of like, a young woman who's Instagram or TikTok famous, who's just like super hot and is creating straightforward hot girl content. And I kind of thought, you know, I'm not that, I'm not that type of hot. I'm like weird artist hot, you know, (laughs) I'm, I'm a writer. That's part of my appeal is my voice. Like people are usually into me because of my sense of humor and my my writing it's not because i'm like the girl in the room that's striking i do not know how to pose for an instagram <laughs> photo like i'm i'm not <laughs> that you don't me. know your angles so, yeah <laughs> no and like i can take some hot girl photos but like I, I for some reason i was like only girls only fans girls are by the pool surrounded by palm trees with like a, a cocktail And like, I just had this very narrow idea of what it was. Mm -hmm. And I also felt like it was, I had some internalized slut shaming in my head of like, this is a way for them to monetize their simps. And it's not like an intellectual exercise. I was being super judgy without realizing it, which is really silly because I've, I ran a student porn magazine in college. Like, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong morally with pornography or anything like that it was like it was i think because there's like a blurring of OnlyFans with social media for me Mm. i disrespected it in my head because i thought of it as like clout chasing mixed with money as opposed to just like another form of adult content that people make and sell i just i was ignorant i hadn't really even been on OnlyFans, and a few months ago when Twitter, when Elon Musk bought Twitter and I started to see these like Twitter alternatives pop up and really not know how to handle adult content. Um, one of my coworkers from an old job who's like a tech editor just asked me, he was like, what's OnlyFans deal with writing? Like do people share writing on OnlyFans? Mm-hmm. And I had no idea. Yeah. And I had already set up an account loosely when I was starting to sell pictures of my feet um which is a whole other thing and so i i went back on and just like started to poke around and put stuff up and um i realized i had made a whole bunch of assumptions about them something i knew nothing about and people i knew nothing about right and it's it's been i i feel like i've strayed from your original question but like um that's all right it yeah it was really it was just this moment of, oh, here I, I internalized a bunch of stuff without thinking about it. And as soon as I actually spent time in this space looking at these creators, there's a whole bunch of people doing a whole range of awesome stuff. And I don't really care what they're making as long as they're doing it by choice and making money. I think that's rad. I don't care. And yeah, it, as soon as I started to play around, it was like, oh, this is this is actually very cool. And I also started to connect with other OnlyFans creators on Twitter and saw that there are folks who are, it's it's every type of person doing this. And it's not just like beautiful blonde women who make me feel insecure about my stomach. 
<laughs> like, yeah. It's yeah. all types of bodies, all types of people doing it for all kinds of reasons. And yeah, it um, sounds like the, yeah. you know, yeah, the knowledge is what kind of helped you get over that bump, like the acquiring of knowledge and the doing the research and the having some lived experience yeah. with it, you know, was able to kind of transform that, that assumption to, oh, wow, I was wrong about said assumption, you know, because yeah. I'm seeing all these other was, people that do this, all of that, that, that kind of hump that happened. Yeah, it was just yeah. straightforward ignorance. Right. And yeah. at the same time, part of it was also just, I think I've, I've always kind of struggled with the idea of respectability as someone who writes adult content and yes, like yeah, yeah. I've all I've written erotica for de- for like a, over a decade now and I um when I graduated from college my goal was to be like a professional erotica author but I wound up taking a different path mostly for financial reasons at the time to work in social media mm-hmm. for like a very reputable media organization and Thankfully, no one there was judgy about me writing erotica and writing about sex after hours, but I really had to be a professional person and climb the ranks and um, be a social media consultant. And like, I really put aside everything that I was doing that was adult to be taken more seriously at work. And I started dating someone who was a bit more conservative and who ran in like incredibly snobby, obnoxious circles. And so I think I absorbed a lot of shame um, and judgment from other folks that made me kind of lose sight of the fact that I love this space and there's nothing wrong with it and there's nothing to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm like deprogramming, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> and remembering that like, no, this rules. It makes me happy. I'm very proud of it. And, and I'm also, I'm 30. Yeah. 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 And I'm 30, I'm financially secure, my parents are not judgy, they know I'm an adult as well who can make my own choices. Yeah. I'm 30 years old, like, what does it matter what other people give me anymore? Yeah. Um, and I have the privilege to be like, if I lose professional opportunities because I'm doing this, or people think I'm disgusting, doesn't matter, it won't impact me, because I have I have my, my cushion financially, and I have my white girl privilege from Connecticut, I will be fine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And that's a big, um, the big reason that like a lot of people can, you know, present in the way they want to present online and, mm-hmm. you know, charge what they want to charge that like has a big bearing. So I appreciate you bring, bringing that up. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what is interesting, this thing that you're talking about of like, um, these kind of blurred lines, right, of like, okay, well, y- you know, people can post thirst traps on Instagram. You know what I mean? They, they can post mm-hmm. a selfie or whatever, or like, like guys can, you know, have their shirt off on the beach or like, you know, women can do a selfie where their cleavage is kind of featured on Instagram. And that's all fine and expected and very mundane. You know what I mean? But say you were going to, you know, take similar pictures and sell them. That, that somehow that feels, you know, that feels different. And it's yeah. this, yeah, it's this thing of like taking, there's also this kind of interesting thing you said about like, you know, simping and like almost like you're taking advantage of men. You know what I mean? Like you're taking their money. It's, yeah. And it's, there's so much there. And it's like, 
about this kind of blind spot of like people are jerking off to your Instagram selfies of you on the beach and (laughs) (laughs) you know and there is demand for sexy pictures and the fact that you are then like you're just bringing consent and into the equation by actually selling them with this purpose and getting receiving payment for them you know what I mean yeah And you can't turn a blind eye to it. You can't pretend it's not happening. You're saying, yes, I know people are masturbating to me because I'm very hot. And I'm okay with that. And my whole brand might be I'm hot. You know, like some, some, um, uh, what's called? Big people on the internet. Um, I want to say providers. Influencers, thank you. I'm like, providers, I'm just too much in the sex work world. Um, (laughs) You know, influencers, like a lot of influencers are influencers because they are hot. You know, that is like a lot of people's brand is just they are hot people. So the the fantasy and the reality kind of um, being less disparate. It's like, okay, I, I, I know why I'm here and I can see all my followers are men and I can see, you know what I mean? So it's like, there's demand and I influencers are there to make money just like you know adult content creators are there to take to make money so it's like why why those respectability politics when they are so very similar like almost exactly the same yeah and it's so it's exactly what you said like as soon as money becomes involved people get all like hoity-toity about it but if you're a hot girl influencer who has hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram and posts borderline adult content books, good for you. And you're making money based on sponsored content, based on product placement, based on referral links. Like you are leveraging your audience of simps (laughs) and making money. And that's, yeah. And it might be that the money is coming from, companies that are buying advertising or sponsorships but you're making money for being a hot girl and or a hot boy hot person good for you but if i say hey i'm a hot girl give me money because you think i'm hot (laughs) suddenly suddenly so different (laughs) it's very funny to me um and (laughs) it's just it's like and i also i think people are so alarmed by the idea that oh but you post this for free why should i give you money i get sexually harassed on the internet and something i love about OnlyFans is that people can send me messages if they pay and so someone can pay five dollars and send me a message and it's so nice to be able to charge people for that even if they're just being like hey i think you're really pretty i really enjoyed that last entry and i made five bucks that's amazing. Yeah, suddenly that feels a lot better than yeah. An compared to someone DMing me, yeah, someone yeah. DMing me on Instagram to be like, "I like your tits." Like that feels horribly dehumanizing, mm-hmm. and it's just we have these binary, silly ideas of what sex work it or not what sex work is, but like what what is illicit and taboo and what is acceptable. It's very, it's silly. I am having fun playing in those blurry areas, and if people are weird about it, they're welcome to unsubscribe, is the approach I'm taking right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you have a problem with, like, me, you know, asking men for money or, or making money off of men, then don't be that man. Don't send me money. Don't, you know. Like, exactly. No one's making you. <laughs> and I'm not exploiting anyone either. Like, they, people... I, I'm I'm learning more from personal experience. I mean, this is something that I knew intellectually, but now I'm experiencing it the first time. Mm-hmm. 
paying the money is part of the fun and part of what makes it hot for some people. Absolutely. So if it turns them on, they give me $25. That's great. <laughs> Thank you for buying my dinner. Have a good time. <laughs> yeah. Here's a little selfie of me with my takeout. Like, thanks. Like, yeah. Yeah. Transaction completed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I think I think that's just very interesting. It's like there's such a fine line between social media influencers and like adult content creators and and just we're all here to make money and we're all here to kind of have fun in this creative kind yeah. of expressive kind of narcissistic job. Like, you know? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I know that I know that sex work isn't fun and empowering for everyone it's for a lot of folks it's just a job or it's it's a survival job like there's there's a whole range of experiences um i will say for me it's been super fucking empowering (laughs) it's been like a great opportunity to control my schedule to feel like to experiment with makeup and and feel like it's been great for my confidence to have people saying please step on my neck like Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's been really lovely and especially as I recover from a pretty controlling relationship it's been fun getting to explore what my own boundaries are and what what I enjoy and what I don't and be able to say okay I've decided this isn't what I want to do so I'm not going to do it and it's it's been really fun and I think that I know that there are folks in my social circle who see what I'm doing and are concerned and think I'm having a nervous breakdown. When in reality, the breakdown was before. And this is me feeling stable and in charge of my life. Yeah. Um, Assumptions are funny. Yeah, very, right? Like, it's it's very interesting, though, this, this thing of, like, social media kind of influencer moving into this adult content creation space because it's this thing of like I'm wondering if it impacts your other types of work this thing of like now people can only talk to you if they pay you you know what I mean this thing Mm -hmm. of like not having like unlimited access to everyone because that can happen as a social media influencer right people get in your dms they can ask for like support in your dms like you know if you write about um sexual assault Mm -hmm. and stuff like that like i'm sure that's a thing you've experienced as well so it's the thing of like uh, creating a barrier creating boundaries surround stuff like that that you kind of you know that's what happens in adult content creation ideally anyways you know what I mean so I'm wondering if like that has now kind of influenced the way you interact with people you don't know on the internet elsewhere yeah it's I think it's I mean I also have a patreon and folks can send me messages there and it's been interesting thinking like how do I handle messages from patrons versus OnlyFans customers versus just readers of mine versus like friends of friends like if somebody messages me with a question or with feedback, how do I receive it differently in those different spaces? Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is just like me psychologically figuring out (laughs) how I want to engage with people and how much of myself I want to share with the world. Um, I, and that is interesting. Like the thing that annoys me most of all is loose friends of friends of friends who email me asking for like a career favor uh-huh. Well, I have a consulting fee, so here it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like there's if an I don't assumption know you. of yeah. There's an assumption of because we have like a person in common or we went to the same college that there's like 
an affinity there that means that it's polite for me to do this for you for free. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But how do you and that, that drives me nuts. It's so entitled. I just I I straight up don't answer people quite often. Um, <laughs> I'll read their it. message and be yes. like, nope, I don't have time for this. I don't know you. I don't owe you anything. Or <gasps> oh I'll my say God. like, I don't know you. I don't owe you. That is yeah. I don't. Is that is that a thing? <laughs> Did you you just create I don't that? I, I don't just know said you. it. I don't know. I'm sure. I don't know you. I don't I'm owe sure you. I'm sure someone has said it. Oh, put that on a tote bag. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, I'm I sure someone it. has said it before, but it is that is going to make that a bit I'm of gonna a, a, a it. reminder I'm now because it's good. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like saying. yeah, we went to the same college, or like you and I have gotten coffee at the same place. It doesn't mean that I owe you literally anything. My time is valuable. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm yeah. trying to. I'm trying to think about, like, I'm trying to approach life right now from kindness as opposed to politeness. Yes. Okay. Because this is the thing, right? You, even, even if you are, like, specifically if you are kind of a public facing internet person, you know what I mean? You want, Mm -hmm. like, you want to be kind and you want to, you know, I think, yeah, people do feel like they have to politely, as you said, like, engage with anyone who desires time and energy from them so it's this thing of like Mm -hmm. no I want to have I want to you know be a kind person and I want to present as a kind person online as well that I'm a kind person however like at what cost and there has to be boundaries around that and um yeah so yeah keep talking about that because that's really important I think yeah I it's funny I think um I keep saying it's funny, but I think I'm just so excited about everything that's happening right now that I'm just like, everything is fascinating. (laughs) One thing that I have noticed um, is that um, I think my parents, as I started selling feet pictures, I told them, and they both were... my mom was thrilled and thought it was hilarious. Really? Um, my, yeah, she was, I was, I, I was so relieved. Um, my dad's first reaction was basically just like fatherly concern for my safety. Mm. And it's the last few months have made me realize my time being like a herpes patient advocate mm-hmm. prepared me so much to do this type of adult content work because I have had thousands of people send me unsolicited messages across the spectrum of kindness some people will send to this day some people will send me novel length emails about their traumatic experience getting herpes or or being abused and and like it's horrific stuff that i feel horrible for them that they experienced but also please don't send me that like i i am not a priest i'm not a therapist i don't know you i don't owe you i can't help you like i can't i can't help you i'm not yeah i'm i know that you felt witnessed and understood by something that i've written but it's triggering for me to read those messages it's also i can't i there's nothing i can tangibly do to help you because i can't get on the phone with you and and listen to you for a few hours like that's just not something i'm able to do um and I've also had sent people send me incredibly weird, lewd sexual messages because they knew I had herpes and they were, I didn't know herpes bug chasers were a thing, but that's yes. a thing some people have. Yeah. And yeah, it's just like, I've, anything horrible that I could experience as a woman on the internet, I already went through with the herpes stuff. And so now selling feed pics and, and being on OnlyFans, like, I already have all the skills necessary for the most part in terms of managing those boundaries um, and knowing how to not feel obligated to folks or to not get scammed as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, it's it's all of these skills are translating <laughs> in ways I did not expect. I'm so um, glad. And I'm sure there will be things. Yeah, and I'm sure there will be things I'm not prepared for or that catch me by surprise. I know that even just doing like pretty tame adult content online can still be a dangerous profession and I'm yeah, yeah. I'll probably run into shit with banking like who knows I have no idea but yeah. you'll get your PayPal shut down at least once <laughs> something yeah something. and like I'm <laughs> I am sure that there will be issues um but yeah it's just I also just I've written about sex online for so long that mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm, also mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't feel like what I'm doing is all that different I'm just selling it more in a more straightforward manner I'm not like pitching it to a short story collection through a publisher and <laughs> yeah. so I don't feel like what I'm doing is that much different from what I've always done and the way that like I, I'm kind of wondering like am I doing sex work by taking these photos and selling them? I'm not doing anything in person, so I know that's part of it. But, like, mm-hmm. how do other people perceive what I'm doing and what should I be calling it is still all very blurry for me because it's just, like, oh, it's now art that has a lot more tits in it and a lot more graphic descriptions of sex scenes. Like, yeah, where is the line between any of these things I'm working on? Now I'm just rambling, but this is – thank you for giving me an opportunity to process out no, loud. Absolutely. No, because that's a thing, right? It's like uh, there's discourse that can be seen on either side of it that sometimes mm-hmm. is f- um, fueled by the horarchy thing that you talked about, right? Like some, mm-hmm. some type people that offer some services, like – you know, would not sex some sexual services in some way, you know, would not identify as a sex worker, um, you know, because they don't want to be associated with like, there's something, you know, undesirable about being a sex worker. So it's can be fueled by that internalized kind of horophobia, um, or hierarchy type stuff, or it can just be like, you can self-identify however the fuck you want because and yeah. nobody should bug you about that because it's the same with any of our self-identifiers. It's like, what the fuck is it to you? What business is it of yours? You know, how somebody else is choosing to identify. So totally. Yeah. It's, it's that thing of like nav, just navigating in it in a way that isn't, you know, perpetuating harm or, you know, it feels good to you. That's like the, the most important stuff to be, figuring out but like yeah it's not again it's like this type of work doesn't come with a manual there isn't you know really distinct shoulds and should nots surrounding the type of stuff we do and it's all very personal and subjective and um yeah and there's no standardized job description absolutely not (laughs) absolutely not yeah yeah like i i don't i don't want to i think because of my privilege and because of the specific types of content i'm making i'm very conscious of the fact that like I am not like like a, like a sex worker who's seeing clients in person and doing that type of work mm-hmm. has a very different experience and set of challenges and risks and Definitely. like yeah. A, yeah. oppressive forces than what I what I experience. So that's like my main question is just like how do I make sure I'm not co-opting something? Yes. Um, but I think part of what I'm thinking about right now is like, like I am doing I'm creating sexual and sexualized content. And that yeah. is that feels accurate and truthful. It is it is mature. It is adult, and that has always been the case. And mm-hmm. I think I just I was I avoided saying it before because I wanted to be respectable. Yeah. But screw it, I'm very good at making people. But fuck worry. it, I'm thirty. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> exactly, fuck it, I'm thirty. Who cares? 
um before we before we let you go we've got like a a good a good few minutes left that i i feel like you've got a bit to say on this topic and it's like the thing of now you know with your new content that you're making or maybe with the content you've you've always created now you're kind of you mentioned to me pre-recording you're finding you're struggling to find places where it can be anymore and this whole thing of like elon just absolutely spiraling openly spiraling um this multi-billion dollar business into the ground it's like it seems now more than ever um seems you know pretty tumultuous um Mm -hmm. as far as where we can be uh, you know talking about sex um and just oh man every values regressing um holy shit oh it's just it's just wild i think today on this day of uh international women's day i think you tweeted you're like literally what is happening with our rights where are they going why where what is happening and yes what the fuck primal scream oh god yeah i just i we've for many years there's been an erosion of places where sex workers and folks who create adult content can talk about their work and i think the downfall of Twitter has just made me realize that Twitter was very unique in what it allowed on a platform. It's one of the only very mainstream social media platforms that doesn't have a very strict censorous adult content policy. And there's still things that aren't allowed there. It's a very unsafe platform. There are a lot of problems with it, but it's rare in that you can you can post your titties on Maine on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I think that I t- really took that for granted. And a lot of us did. Uh, yeah. But I, I can only speak for myself and say that, like, this has been such a wake-up call of even before I was posting more adult content, like, I can't post on Instagram a lot of stuff that is very tame. Sex educators can't post on Instagram. People have been ringing the alarm bells for years and years and years about that. And, and I know your, your writing is on Patreon and, you know, yeah. And Patreon is like unpredictable. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, um, I'm a Patreon ambassador, which shocked me when they asked me to join that program. And even I'm like, how much can I post? I like very much err on the side of caution there. Um, and it's been the thing that really radicalized me in the last few months is seeing the new Twitter alternatives pop up and how fucking horribly they've botched a lot of these policies. And like the one I've been ranting about privately, and I don't want to piss off the founder too much because I think he's he weaponizes his fans a lot, but Spoutable was lauding itself as being this like incredibly safe place on the internet that was going to welcome marginalized identities. And one of, like, the first rakes they stepped on was their horrible adult content policy and, like, making these sweeping statements about how, like, we're not having any porn here. But, like, you can still have, like, sexual expression and marginalized identities. And it's like, what the, What do you think porn is? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, what are you... I, and they wound up getting in this huge fight with romance novel authors who are... Oh. Half of them are lawyers. <laughs> like, a lot of romance <laughs> authors are lawyers, which is... People don't realize. It's very funny. What? And, like, they're retired lawyers or just, like, they decided to quit law because they could make more money. I don't know what it is, but there's a huge overlap there. And so you really don't want to get into, like, your dull con- 
content policy legal shit without knowing it Mm -hmm. and also court romance novelist to use your platform which is what happened with spoutable Mm -hmm. and the founder of spoutable like he just didn't know what he was getting into there um and to this day i still don't know what spoutable really allows because it seems like it's very arbitrarily being moderated based on what the founder feels like Mm -hmm. and the horror-phobic anti-sex language i saw from people defending spoutable really fucked me up like i was getting people who were it's so horrifying like i can't Um, i can't be on twitter anymore and i love twitter i'm like that's the place i'm most active i i legitimately love twitter and this past month i just can't be on there it's it's something's in the water right now oh yeah yeah. like i just oh i i gives me so much anxiety to be on twitter and to read just you know just read all oh yeah and i don't know like i think there are a lot of cultural forces happening right now i think part of it is people are really freaking weird after the pandemic about sex and intimacy and like there are a lot of teenagers growing up who are like kind of tired of being bombarded by sexual content and and sex positivity that hasn't they feel like hasn't left a lot of room for nuance in terms of consent and not not wanting to have sex so like people call them the the puritines which makes me kind of laugh and i don't want to vilify them because like teenagers get to go through phases and think sex is icky and like make cultural criticism too but like there's all these different forces colliding at once right now that are super anti-sex and anti-sex worker and anti-sexual content and it's like when the fuck did we all decide sex was bad again? Like, like absolutely, yeah. Like, I, I, what? One thing that there was so much discourse on where I just had to turn off my phone was like this thing of like parents with kids, you know, they, yes! they were equating parents having sex in their bedrooms after the kids were like asleep. They equated that to sexual assault. Like, it's fucking crazy. It was like, I'm sorry. That is just like, and you know, you read all the comments on because you want to see the discourse. It's like a traffic, um, <laughs> a traffic uh, accident. But like, oh god, yeah. When did we decide sex is bad again? Yeah. It's yeah. I just yeah. That particular discourse that was wild. Just I was blew like, my mind. No, I gotta just. I gotta just stop reading this. Yeah, because there's no good faith way to have that conversation at that point. It's, like, so extreme and so... Some of this, too, I'm like, are some of these people Russian trolls? Like, some of this stuff is insane. Like, the whole, am I being sexually assaulted because I'm watching a movie that has a sex scene? Yes, yeah, yeah. No, you're not. That's insane. And, like... (laughs) I got an easy answer. That has to be... No. (laughs) Yeah, like, that has to... Like, some of that has to just be Russian troll garbage. No serious person can honestly believe that's a thing. Um, But it is just... And yeah, yet. it's nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. yet, and yet, who knows? Um, yeah, I've been doing a lot of. I think you and I have both been screaming at the same things in our heads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, ah! absolutely. Um, okay, just to end on a on a uh, an up note, <laughs> what are you looking forward to as far as like your content creation? Like, what what's coming up mm-hmm. soon for you that you're really excited about? Oh wow, um, I am. God, I really hope that within the next few months, my novel will be like ready to lock. Like I've been doing final revisions with my editor. Yeah. And like, I have this running joke with friends of six months, I say my book is finished. And it just means that like the latest revision is finished. (laughs) I'm hoping soon I can say it is actually finished. 
Um, that's very exciting. That'll hopefully be out next summer. Hopefully, it's mm-hmm. called the reunion. It's a novel. It's very sexy and very queer, and um, that'll be great if that happens. Knock on wood. Um, oh, but it will happen. Short, short term, and you will be back on this you. podcast to talk about it. So I'll hold yes, you to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, one hundred percent. But yeah, no, I have this irrational fear that I'm going to get like canceled. <laughs> yeah, you'll just never only get fans and lose my book deal. Yeah, and which uh, I like. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this, but I don't think I. I'm not supposed to. I think this is pretty industry standard. But like, there's like a little cancellation clause in certain book contracts now, where like if you basically it's like if you. <laughs> me paraphrasing i'm not a lawyer if you fuck up like if you damage your reputation to the point that it's like significantly worse than it was when you signed the deal wow it can impact whether or not your book happens wow. and like i think that's very much for people who like suddenly are exposed as a nazi but yes. like i've had to keep thinking to myself and what i'm do- is what i'm doing going to damage my reputation or change it significantly based on what it was when i sold the book <laughs> like they knew i was an erotica author they like it's very funny to constantly check in on that um and like i'm really about it i love my editor and my agent it's not a problem but it's still very scary (laughs) no still yeah again very funny also known as scary yeah Um, terrifying also known as terrifying also known as very Um, terrifying yeah (laughs) um but where uh where can people find and follow you tell us where your OnlyFans is tell us where your patreon is all of that good stuff Yes, I am. You can find me anywhere online as at bros and pros because I write prose about bros. Um, although that's becoming less true. I, I do not have any bros in my life and haven't for a while. Um, but that is my brand. Um, and yeah, and Ella Dawson. But um, so I'm onlyfans.com slash bros and pros and patreon.com slash bros and pros. My Patreon is um, I write a lot more about like mental health and abuse recovery and relationships and pop culture and feminism. And my OnlyFans is very dedicated to just like sex and hookup culture and pleasure and me being hot. Um, and you can still find me on Twitter spouting hot takes until Twitter implodes. Yeah. Same for <sighs> me. Twitter at the lady Pim one. I have a Patreon. It's the bed post show. We have a YouTube channel as well. It's also the bed post show. If you must go on over to uh, Instagram, I'm at the bed post uh, podcast or at the lady Pim. Um, Ella Dawson. This has been so extra lovely to talk to you again. Let's talk to you before your book comes out. Absolutely. Thank you. Everyone will have another fun and sexy guest on next week. We'll see you then talking about sex and sexuality on the Bitpost podcast. But until then, get fucked, everybody. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.